Welcome to the final reunion episode of Belgian Mole Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me for the final time this season is the Canadian who, thanks to his love life, knows exactly what a MILF is, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. Well, you actually got an accurate uh, description of me for once, Michael. I did as soon as Katrine got called a MILF and she said, I know exactly what that means. It just... It reminded me of your hilarious love life stories where you have much older women hitting on you all the time. Yeah, that's the way the Okanagan be. And you should be very proud that I actually paid attention long enough to remember that fact. Yeah, that's also that's the biggest surprise to the whole podcast. Not that Peter is the mole that, you know, I actually paid attention. Yeah, the main observation about MILFs, that's, uh, that's, that's going to be the headline. Peter being the mole is just the sub is just the subtitle. I'm very sad that this is the final time we're discussing Belgian mole this year. Yeah, and it's the first time that a fictional character from a children's story is the winner. Little Red Riding Hood pulled it out on the final quiz. I know when I was watching the unsubbed finale that I sent that screenshot and just said, "Our winner, ladies and gentlemen," but I couldn't resist it. As Peter so beautifully put it, he put that as a picture on his bio. I mean, that is a way to get attention, but they do usually say on that sort of bio, make sure you actually have a reasonably sensible picture. Because that was the only picture Lloyd sent in as well. There was no other picture on his bio sheet. Maybe it's the only picture he had of himself. He's just like, I'm not very photogenic, but man, did I kill it in that little Red Riding Hood outfit. Man, I looked hot then. Red hot. I forgot to... Ask this a while ago, uh, Michael, but is this the first all-male Final Three? It's the first one I can think of that I've seen recently. And there's never been an all-male or all-female Final Three, eh? No, there has definitely been an all-female Final Three. I won't say which one, but there was a Dutch season that had an all-female Final Three. Oh, okay. But I can't think off the top of my head whether there was an all-male Final Three. I'm sure someone, probably David, will tell me, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. So previously, the final three tried to work out which coin was made of chocolate while they were being distracted by Voladores, and then swung for the final cash of the game over a waterfall. And at the final test, Lloyd's light went on before we found out that Peter was the mole. The the, the priest? So many questions. (laughs) And this episode does open with Peter giving his final confessional as the mole. And he said he wanted to play hard, and that he felt alone in the past two days due to the unspoken pact between Lloyd and Baha, and them both being onto him. They are both, like, I think Peter might be one of the least successful moles in terms of being able to deceive the other players. Three out of the nine contestants were onto him from a very early stage. Yeah, it's an interesting contrast between him and Jan from... Mole this year because nobody was onto Yan until pretty much the very end when Ruben went onto him. When was Ruben onto Yan? Like Final Four? Uh, final Five, I five? think. It was yeah. sort of four or five when the light went on in Ruben's head. But Peter was suspected from week one by Lloyd, from week two by Baja, and from week five by Pascal. And Yan basically flew under the radar on people's uh, suspicions until week seven or eight. Yeah, I'm just thinking of the other Belgian moles. No one had that many people onto them either. And I don't think Peter was a particularly obvious mole either. I mean, if you think about it logically, having a priest as the mole is a really fun idea. And 
there's something on his casting that I'm I have a suspicion of from speaking to Sheila, of course. But having a priest as a mole is a really cool idea, especially when you know it's going to Mexico, where as you said yourself very early on, heavily Catholic country. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was that obvious a mole, really. If I'd have sat down and thought about it, I probably could have got him from about week two. But you know, someone discouraged me from that suspicion. Yeah, who did that? So it's kind of a surprise to know how early Lloyd and Barha were onto him. But then again, it's a gut instinct, and they got lucky in the fact that they actually were onto the correct mole. And it was gutsy too, because it was the third episode when they both just decided to take the gamble, and they both went all in on uh, Peter. Yeah, especially as even on the the airport elimination game, Barha didn't know for certain that Peter was going to be the mole. He could have been very wrong. It was confirmed, basically, for him when they did the airport game, but at that point he'd already taken the test. Yeah, Baja was brilliant in terms, like, with Lloyd. From If you're figuring out who the mole is from round one, that's when it's just more of a hunch and not really picking out any specific actions that the mole is doing. With Baja, he was able to confirm for, uh, for himself with just completely studying Peter during the airport challenge. And saying, if I was the mole, this is how I would do it. And he just was completely focused on Peter and was able to pick him off right then. It takes a certain degree of genre savvy to to know as soon as you walk into that game that there is going to be an advantage for the mole here and I need to work out what it is before anything really happens so I can keep an eye on my mole. Yeah, like what's the first thing the mole's going to say before it starts getting too chaotic? And the fact that Baja was able to outwit Peter it was brilliant too during this challenge. He pretty much cockblocked him. There's no other way to describe it. He just completely took over that game and made sure that Peter could not grab six grand out of that pot. Yeah. Like, Peter just wanted to impregnate that challenge with a sabotage, and Baja just threw in some birth control, and boom, that was it. And, I mean, there is no way anyone could have won the three grand from that challenge given that. At best, Peter is going to just take money out of the pot with uh, Passvargan. Unless you force him to take a zero case. I like how Jules had to just like pat him on the head <laughs> when he was taking the Passvargan, saying, well, he took some money out of the pot. <laughs> at least they didn't win outright. At least it wasn't, at least he didn't get stuck with the zero uh, euro uh, briefcase. I do love the, the slight grey area that Gilles represents, because on one hand, he's a producer and really doesn't want them to win that much money, but on the other hand, he is kind of the host of the show, and they do need to have a reasonable amount of money in the pot. It's a wonderful grey area for him to operate in. So, the reunion is filmed at a very impressive looking house. I want to move there. Yeah, it's a very pretty looking house, and it must be somewhere nearby for Lloyd, given that, you know, he could bike there. Well, they could just be really good Belgian cyclists. (laughs) Belgium's really small to begin with, for all I know, it was at the other end of the country, it's just that small that you can just bike across. Yeah, but he was wearing smarter clothes. It can't have been that far, because he would have been super uncomfortable. Trust me, he would have been proper uncomfortable if he was in a suit and having to pedal like 50 miles. (laughs) That would have been great. I should have waited till I got there to buy the suit. (laughs) Why didn't I bring my overnight bag? Isn't Decathlon sponsoring this season? Can they not give me some cycling gear? Yeah. (laughs) It looks so much shorter on the map. And in the reintroductions of everyone, 
I just have two notes, which is that Chani loves pink and that Katrine is a MILF. They've not seen each other for six months and the first description that uh, that Katrine gets is, you're a MILF. Yeah. Not even how are you doing or how is your husband and kids. It's just MILF conversation just like that. But continuing with our awkward Katrine moments, she knows exactly what MILF is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a big Ameri- she's a big American Pie fan, apparently. I thought she was just a, a massive fan of Thirty Rock and watched their Survivor parody Milf Island. <laughs> I forgot about that episode. And everyone watches the the finale together, and weirdly, they also watch it with the exact same subs that I watched it with last week. Maybe they torrented it and they actually didn't have the official copy. Yeah, weirdly, if you look closely, they actually have Bulgarian subtitles on it. Yes, you can see a Korean guy stand up in the middle of the movie theater. And at their respective reveal moments, Lloyd and Peter do get accosted by everyone. Jill's accosted? Before we basically just go into the how Peter did it mode. Yeah, it's like it's like the if OJ Simpson was on the mole, how, how he did it. If the cross don't fit, you must acquit. And we do begin by seeing everyone's audition tapes, including Peter post-mass. And then Peter is asked the all-important question in a random flat somewhere, I'm not even sure if it's his, saying, will it work with your soul to be the mole? And of course the answer is, hell yeah, it's an awesome experience. Hell yes. <laughs> to paraphrase Tasha before Survivor Cambodia, I can ask for forgiveness later. This is what God made me for. To be a mole on a Belgian reality show. This was my path. This was my destiny. Luckily for him, he has divine advantage and can absolve himself of all sin. Yeah. Self-absolving. I feel like that's one of the things you're not allowed to do in uh, Catholicism, but... Yeah, uh, from from my extensive experience with Catholicism, I'm not entirely sure that's how it works, but... <laughs> Gilles does put it beautifully at the end of the episode where he says that Peter can now begin his penance. Yeah. There's a lot of Hail Marys required. <laughs> yes. Or for the cast of Belgian Mole, probably Bloody Marys. And to begin with, he did actually pick the coffin pairs, including Katrine, who basically just says in her audition that she isn't incredibly terrified of uh, confined spaces. So I'm going to put her nice and in the middle so she has to spend as long as possible in a coffin. And interestingly, something I forgot to mention last week, but I did send around the group chat and put on Twitter... Where Peter got all his briefings does have a very familiar map of the world on it, on the wall. Yeah, is it the same map that both you and I have, Michael? It is indeed the same map of the world that I sent a picture of to Mr. DeCosta. After our conversation about me having a scratch-off map of the world on my wall, I sent a picture to him of it, and a few days later watched the finale and found out that the briefing flat, I'm assuming it's Peter's flat, the flat where all the briefings happen does indeed have that same map on the wall. Which countries has Peter visited? I'm not sure, because I didn't zoom in. I just recognised the map because it has the the scratch-off bits at the bottom saying visiting Tibet, visiting the US, and a fun fact with each one when you scratch it off. It'd be funny if, like, Syria was scratched off on this map. Then I'd be having a whole lot more questions. So I believe the message I sent to DaCosta was just, are you shitting me? Seriously, (laughs) he has the same map as me? This is ridiculous. Does the map have South Sudan on it? No, mine does not. Because I think it's from before about 2009. Ah, so no 
Well, you might have Kosovo on there. I think Kosovo was 09. Yes, Kosovo is on there. Yeah, so South Sudan would be the only country that wouldn't be on there, I bet. And other things we learn in the the intros is that Kelly wouldn't want to be one of the first two out. Awkward thing to say. Mm-hmm. That'll be worse than being buried alive. Steve speaks French at home, and that Peter sabotaged everything. Like, he was not a subtle mole in terms of how many sabotages he had. I don't know, he laid off of... Um... There was actually one challenge where I thought, oh, he didn't do anything in that one. Uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I know there's one that he left alone. There was ones where he kind of had to leave it alone, like the airport task, but... Yeah, but just one where he just didn't didn't try to do anything with the sabotage. And the first main sabotage was the uh, Yoka hunt, where he um, ensured that the branding iron would not be anywhere near a fast vehicle. Yeah. And just leave it with the horses. Yeah, and somehow he managed to convince them to think about why Yoker is dead rather than, you know, why there's no money in the pot. <laughs> the answer to why there is no money in the pot is him. I love how even Baja, how he was able to manipulate Baja into being super emotional about not giving up the branding iron to the fast-moving SUV going through the town. It's really annoying because in that week's recap I did say... Why did the branding iron go with the horse team? Arg. <laughs> Didn't we say that it was too obvious for the mole to be in the SUV? It's just schadenfreude everywhere for us, and this is the problem with doing a mole season where we don't know anything. <laughs> it's not like if we did like mole historians and it was like the seventh season of the Dutch mole and be like, oh, those freaking idiots didn't catch on to the mole, obviously sabotaging that. And at the airport elimination, there was a convoluted system involving where the word new appeared in the sentence, which uh, told Peter who was going to get eliminated. And as we said, Baha just completely cock-blocked him. That would be tough to remember all eight positions. It would, but also you just have to listen out for, for the phrase and where new appears, and then just work it out. Because yeah. the left-hand side went one to four, and the right-hand side was five to eight. Yeah. But just if you, like, forgot the word or something, or where it was supposed to be, and then if Peter works out, he's like, wait, I thought that that's, that's my seat. I can't I can't be the one executed. What is this? I'm pretty sure he was probably briefed on it beforehand. <laughs> but the hilarious thing about that hint is the fact that even the subtitler didn't pick up on it. Because it's apparently such a peripheral word, she didn't even think to actually sub it properly. What does it mean? I think it's just... An additional word that they can add into sentences depending on the verbs and stuff. Oh, like, doesn't really mean anything? It's like using that or like in a sentence? It means now. Hmm. But yes, it's a very sneaky clue, that one. You know what What else is a sneaky clue? Blinking Morse code to the audience. It's so frustrating because there's been Morse code clues before, not in Belgian model. There was a Morse code clue in, in the second UK season. <laughs> Were the mole blinked during the execution? No, she, um, I think it was in the jail cell task, she tapped out with her fingers the Morse code for mole or something. Well, yeah, it's probably the first and only time Peter will ever have to memorize uh, Morse code with his eyes in his life. It's a really clever hint for us as well, because thinking about it, the mole is used to quite calm at executions because they know they're not going home. 
Whereas Peter had to be always on the ball because he was having to think, I don't know when I'm going to have to do my letter today, but I'm going to have to do my letter at some point soon. I wonder what would have happened if he screwed up. If he just kept retrying and hope the, hope the camera catches him and puts it together the best way possible. I think they probably would have just done another round with him or he would have just restarted it so they could cut it. Now contestants in future seasons are going to be staring at everyone's eyes of who they suspect to see if they communicate Morse code. Yeah, I don't think they're ever going to do that clue again. And Jeffrey did fall on his sword, kind of knowing that he was going to be going home, which is why he took the Zero suitcase. Yeah, that's what we figured out too, is that he safely concluded that he was going to be executed and didn't want to be a, a jerk to the group on his way out. And Peter did practice the baseball but Lloyd was not convinced by that, by his performance in that challenge. No, even Baja wasn't either. He said, how did Peter run so slow on the base paths? Peter's probably the best hitter, batter in all of Belgium in, in uh, baseball. Probably because nobody else in Belgium has ever picked up a baseball bat in their lives. Yeah, I can't think of any baseballers generally, never mind Belgium ones. Are they good at any sport? Football. How good, though? You don't hear, like, Belgium winning the World Cup. Belgium is actually a decent team, I think. Let's see. I'm going to Google this right now. The best they've ever done is fourth place. Other than that, they're either eliminated in the group stage, round of 16, and then there was one time where they made the quarterfinals. It's better than Canada, but they're not that great. And of course, you're speaking to someone who does not care about football at all. Yeah, so this is really going to be up to the viewers to fill in the gaps. And with a mostly Belgian audience for this podcast, I'm sure they're going to love me mocking their uh, nationally uh, represented football team. Yeah, all hate mail, please direct towards Log Superquacky on Twitter. Actually, I believe you can direct all hate mail to the following phone number, 0747, whatever the hell the rest of the digits are. And Peter will be glad to respond to any questions or complaints you may have. I think you'll find that it was 0474-900424. Why didn't we call that number? We did. It didn't go through. I called it on oh. the, the last uh, podcast with Ant. Oh, I didn't call it. Yeah, it went straight to voicemail. Inbox four. Alternatively, you can direct all complaints to um, plus one, seven, seven, eight. <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I was wondering how many digits I could uh, read out before <laughs> before you stopped me. <laughs> Maybe that's what I should have done. I should have hit a digit in each podcast, which led, <laughs> led up to your phone number. Yes, hidden clue. Next will be my postal code, and then my home address, <laughs> my uh, social insurance number. It'll just be mass identity theft across the board. Basically, by by the end of Belgian Mole next year, everyone will be able to steal your identity. Yeah, in fact, the next season of Belgian Mole is going to be ten contestants, all with the name Logan Saunders, and they're all going to be from Canada for some reason. Every applicant, too. Who is the mole? Is it Logan, the 55-year-old female engineer from Antwerp? <laughs> Yeah, fun fact, there was actually a an early 2000s reality show over, over here called Spy, where people were learning how to become spies, as the name suggests. But they all had to introduce themselves. All the guys had uh, a name like John Smith, I think it was, and all the girls had a name like Jane Smith. 
It was a really interesting show, actually. That. I've lost my copy of it now, but it was really, really interesting. And, as we suspected, the the questions on top of the car were horrendously sabotaged. <laughs> so annoying. They didn't stand a chance. Peter's like, one out of five isn't bad. I love how nobody even spotted that he didn't even hold up a sign on one of them. <laughs> it's like, what? what on earth? That is the most blatant sabotage ever. Next On the next lap, he could have just mooned everybody and they wouldn't have noticed. And Chimera was also sabotaged, given the frequent stops and the spelling out the letters one by one. Much to my irritation, I thought it was Steve and he was the only other person on that fucking roller coaster. <laughs> he just wanted to make Steve suffer. Oh, just keep going until he vomits. He got super lucky with some of his sabotage opportunities, because I don't think anyone else would have vomited as much as Steve did. No. And we also learned that Jeffrey was the most suspected person by the Belgian public. Jeffrey? Which is weird, given that I never suspected him ever. Neither did I. We were like, he was the first person we cleared, wasn't it? Yeah, he was my least suspected person every week he was on. Because at the end of the first episode, we thought he was being way too obvious. Or, first episode he was barely shown, then the second episode he was being way too obvious. Yeah, had this been a normal suspect list season, I would have been putting Jeffrey at the bottom every week he was in. And then uh, Yoke uh, second to last. Yeah. I was surprised Steve suspected Yoke. I mean, we never got anyone's suspicions when they got eliminated, purely so we can run through the list in a minute. But, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise that he suspected Yoke, and I mean... There was a clear top four and a clear bottom six. There's no question about that. Mm -hmm. Had we known who everyone was suspecting, you could have guessed the next five eliminations after Kelly went, basically. Yeah. But interestingly, it was Yoka who tied with Kelly in the first quiz, with Katrine and Jeffrey, Katrine and Kelly, respectively. And then Chani was eliminated when she suspected Steve. Jeffrey went on Yoka. Katrine went on Pascal. And Steve went on Yoka. And then Yoka split on Pascal and Baja before everyone else was on to Peter. Pascal tied with Baja on the penultimate quiz, but lost on time. Ties are quite uh, common on the penultimate quiz. They are, and I'm very surprised that Gilles didn't even point it out at the time, because he loves mentioning there's a tie. Yeah, isn't that fairly standard rule? Or, I'm trying to think, um, yeah, the American version, the only time they didn't point out a tie was on the... Final four round of Celebrity Mole Hawaii. That's because nobody still suspected uh, Frederic yet, so they probably presumed that if they pointed out it was a tie, then both Eric and Kathy, or both, yeah, both Eric and Kathy would have definitely suspected uh, Frederic. Whereas everyone was on the same person anyway, so they might as well have just pointed out it was a tie. Yeah, I guess no one is going to change their mind at that point. I like how. Channing and Baja both had the same uh, strategy of Baja pairing up with uh, Lloyd to intentionally rule him out as the mole, and then Channing intentionally pairs up with Steve to confirm that he is the mole, and then just completely backfires. And weirdly, since that question actually aired on Belgian Mole, the um, how many stars are on the EU flag thing, that has come up on two separate quiz apps in the six weeks since. Oh. And of course, I've known the answer both times purely because of Belgian Mole. And Lloyd won by two questions only, which is not a massive margin. No, I always feel bad when it comes down to a tie, at least in this situation. It was, 
what made it makes it better too is that it wasn't just the advantage that made the difference it was the advantage plus a little extra knowledge i think you could have worked out the the stimulus that peter used because the fact of the matter is you know your own one so baha will have known that he picked was it the box of cockroaches he picked whichever one baha picked i can't even remember yeah he'll have known for a fact that that he picked that one and then it's a 50-50 shot and you can kind of guess if you know who went where that Peter was the first one and that he was the hot pepper and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but I'm just glad that it wasn't just that hot pepper question be the difference as to who won or lost this season. Having said that, it's another massive irritation for me with that that sabotage that we know it was Peter. Purely because we said that the one thing you cannot fake is the reaction to a hot pepper. And that's the one he was able to pull out that lucky number one and pick that one to get it off the table. I know that's so cruel. Next year, they definitely need to do a hot pepper uh, challenge like this again and make them all have to fake that they ate a hot pepper. Oh, so irritating. <laughs> because I would have been onto Peter had I had to think about it. That's the thing, I just didn't think about them. I spent the past nine weeks thinking about this show and I did not think about that properly. <laughs> it's rather frustrating. Yeah, that if you were the mole, which which stimulus would you want to just get off, get get out of there? You would one hundred percent pick the hot pepper if you if you're given first choice, because it's the only one where you cannot fake a reaction to, or it would be much more difficult to fake a reaction to. It'd be funny if like Peter took like an oral purgative agent right before doing the hot pepper challenge, so he genuinely threw up right after eating the hot pepper. They probably would have had a failsafe if someone else picked the hot pepper challenge. I'm just not sure what it would be. Just be like, here, here, Peter, take this Pico Salax. And we also learned that Peter did actually draw the numbers on the books as well. So he literally did leave a trace on the books. Yeah, if only uh, Pascal could uh, scan for fingerprints. That looks like the... Why are the why is all the writing on the top of the journal in Latin? And then we get a bit of home life with the final three. And learn about what happens when you go home from the mall. Apparently you get a hot dog named after you, or a burger. Yeah, Lloyd has a fried snack of some description. It's like a combination of a hot dog and a burger. It looks vile. <laughs> Let's be perfectly clear, it looks horrible. Yeah, I wouldn't want to eat that. Oh, it's just so many carbs. I have a feeling Lloyd isn't too isn't the type of guy to be worried about carbs. But he still has to fit into his little red riding hood dress. Like, it, it would be so mortifying for him if he tried to put that on and it was just too fat. I was able to put it on last year. What's happened to me? Lloyd, you look fine just the way you are. No, I'm Little Red Riding Hood today. You're beautiful inside. I'm more like the wolf from Little Red Riding Hood rather than Little Red Riding Hood. I may as well be the grandmother. And Peter says it's ironic that he tells his students not to swear given that they can now respond. But sir, we learned it from you. (laughs) Do as I say, not as I do. The swearing priest. And Jill does say that Peter can now start his penance. Before Lloyd reveals that he's going to be donating the money to the orphans and putting on a big barbecue after his exams for everyone. Which orphans was it? It was uh, Casa Hogar. You know the the family challenge with the supermarkets uh, shopping spree. Oh, that one was that. That was the charity they could all donate to. Yeah, that was the uh, the twist at the end where it was oh, you can put everything back and just donate to orphans. Except Joker. Joker, did Joker do? Was she the one that didn't donate to the orphans? Yeah, she was the only one who did not donate to the orphans. 
Yeah, Yoker must have been so pissed when she's like, hey, Lloyd, what are you going to do with the money? Oh, donate it to orphans. You son of a bitch. She wanted a tent and a track day, I think it was, if I remember correctly. You can fit orphans in the tent. And one final note from this episode. Did you notice what Peter's uh, sign-off was? Peace out. He did indeed do a Logan Saunders TM peace out. Peace out and just chill till the next of flavoring. I'm wondering whether that was a a nod to us. Let's say it is, and that'll make us feel better. Yeah, because in Peter's final speech, he also apologised to everyone that he duped, which is something that I asked Jill to make him do. So I'm thinking maybe that was just a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, we know you guys are watching. I might be giving myself much more credit than I deserve there, but I'm just... I'm just assuming that was for us. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was definitely... Well, not for you. It was for me. The apology was for me. The peace out was for you. <laughs> yes. Um, you know what would be great when Lloyd reveals that he's going to donate to the orphans? Is if Baja just laughs the whole time through that announcement. But it's for something that's completely unrelated, but Baja just can't help but laugh at everything. He just gets a giggle fit. <laughs> yeah. He's like, <laughs> orphans. It's not a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> Baha is Count Olaf confirmed. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Oh yeah, that was a really good manipulation by Peter with the the exemption uh, tower challenge. And just what, just saying? No, we're not giving a handout to Katrine. Everyone, fight for yourselves. You're too nice to each other. <laughs> yes. And the fact that it was still super close for the exemption too. That if they just had a little bit of hesitation while running. Katrine would have been at the top first. Yep, and she wouldn't have got eliminated that week as well. Yeah, would have been Joker, right? Or Steve? Steve was. Oh yeah, Steve was still in it. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been Steve. I'm assuming. Which would then have meant that we would have seen Katrine on the roller coaster, and you know that would have been as funny as Steve. <laughs> yes. I would quite like to see Katrine on that roller coaster now, actually. And then just Peter trying to get her to act out letters, and she can't. I think she would bail, honestly. Only gonna ride it twelve more times, Katrine. Didn't she fall down the stairs? Oh, during what? During which challenge? It was before the the Torre Latino America challenge. She fell down the stairs at the house they were staying at. I think it was. And knackered right, her ankle. she was on crutches. Which is why they let her go in the lift. Yeah, her whole or they had they bandaged her up. Yeah, they had let Stephen uh, Lloyd bandage her up. So she wouldn't a hundred percent not have done that. Yeah, she would have been. Imagine her in the triathlon. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Katrina having to do any physical activity would have been amazing. Yeah, next season we need to have Lloyd after a thousand of those Lloyd J's, and then uh, Katrine still in in rehab with her foot, and then they redo that same triathlon challenge and see how it all pans out. And then Baja laughs at them while driving by on the ATV. Fat Lloyd playing for for the pot and Katrine playing for the mole. In the pot, it just consists of uh, hot dogs and burgers for Lloyd. It's not even money. It's the only thing that motivates him anymore. Yeah. Well, like in Australian mole, they, they refer to the pot as the kitty. And if the Australian mole, if they said, oh yeah, you're, you know, you're playing for the kitty again, I'm sure Lloyd at that point, at that size, would think there was an actual real live kitty in the pot. It's a deep fried cat for Lloyd to chow down on if he wins the challenge. And now I'm going to channel my inner, inner probes. Let's move on to the outwit portion of this final Tribal Council. Yeah, okay. We held off on it last week. I think it's time to finally actually discuss why this season was so good. Because there was a very diverse group of people again. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I said this at the start of 
the start of the season, and we said this to Gilles as well. 37.7 is a ridiculous average age for any cast to have ever. There's only mm-hmm. one cast that we've come up with in 10 weeks that has had an older age, and that was Celebrity Big Brother US this year. It's an insanely old cast, and it's a credit to to the people who do the casting for this show that none of them felt like dead weight. Even Jeffrey, who, had he stayed any longer, probably would have got a bit annoying. Even he wasn't dead weight, and it felt like you actually knew every person in this cast really well, even when they got eliminated. Even people like Kelly, who had, what, probably five minutes total airtime? Yeah, she actually got quite a significant amount of airtime in the premiere, if I'm not mistaken. And then Shani just couldn't recognize songs to save her life, or chase down chickens. How do you not recognize Maria Maria? Yeah, Mary, Maria Maria was, was sung by actual mariachi. I didn't even think of that till now. It's an absolute testament to to everyone involved in in this season that you can have such an old cast. And let's be honest, thirty seven point seven is about double the average age of Survivor cast now, and still have compelling people who have a compelling story who you want to watch on screen. And that's something that I think runs all the way through Belgium Mall is the fact that. Everyone on the show is compelling. There's never been any dead weight. There's people you can mark, not mention any names, Bertrand, but there's never any dead weight, and there's never anyone who gets eliminated and you go, actually, what was their role? Why were they there? Like with Steve, he was just how far out of touch he was with pop culture. Like, you wouldn't see that with some of the really young contestants on Survivor. You had Steve, who was blindfolded, wielding the pinata, or wielding the bat, to hit down a pinata of Stevie Wonder. You can't write that. You can't script that. I think another great thing about Belgian Mole as a whole, but also this season, is they just still have a really good sense of humour. And that's what Jules said was like the main thing with casting. Like I noticed with CBS shows, you can find people who have no sense of humour at all. But Jill says, we want to find people who we want to laugh and have fun with for three weeks. Yeah, because a lot of these tasks in any mould, are ridiculous. I mean, in your life, hopefully you would never wake up in a coffin escape room. That would be rather sinister, unless you're on Hammer Oats Lemillion. Stuff like that, or or blindfolded piñata musical chairs, basically. These tasks are so ridiculous that you need the people there who you can both laugh at and laugh with. And I, I like that the show has enough of a sense of humour that it it's sort of quite a vicious but really fun sense of humour. It knows exactly what it's doing. And it's pushing everything every time. And seeing how far they can actually push it and still make it a really compelling, entertaining TV product. I wonder if that's just uh, the Belgian attitude in general. I'm not sure. I mean, there's only one way for me to find out, and that's for me to go to the finale next year. Yeah, you just find out in real life that everyone's just a gigantic dick to you. Well, wouldn't be the first TV show I found out that everyone's a gigantic dick to me, would it? Yeah, I don't know whether it's just a, a national psyche thing, but I love that Belgian Mole just has the the wicked sense of humour. And a lot of that does come from people like Jill, who it's no secret to say that we adore in this podcast, not just because he joined us, but also because he is a wonderful host and a wonderful showrunner. Mm-hmm. And it's completely not me ass kissing this, because I said this in week one before I even knew that he was going to listen, and I was... I was ever so slightly embarrassed when you did send that message over saying he was listening, given all the, the praise that I'd heaps on him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just it's, it's wonderful to be able to do this show, honestly. It's wonderful that we've been able to make it work this year. 
you know, the schedule just lined up perfectly that, well, not perfectly because I was in South America for a month, but perfectly in the sense that at least one of us was able to talk about an episode each week. Yeah, no spoilers to say this, but both Dutch and Belgian moles are going to be coming back next year on this podcast. What? I thought it was just a one-time thing. I thought we'd definitely be talking about Amazing Race 31 with all Big Brother contestants. Yeah, it, if you want more mole coverage, I'm doubling it next year. And that is a Harmstone promise. <laughs> Harmstone promise. Hashtag Harmstone promise. Unless, of course, it is a terrible Dutch Mole season, in which case I'll just skip over the fact I've ever made this promise. And we'll be back for Belgian Mole. <laughs> but yeah, it's just nice for... It's nice for us to cover a show that I think all three of us who've been involved are very passionate about. Where is Anthony? Are we just never allowed to be in the same room at the same time? No, it's part of his contract. I believe he's at some sort of um, music festival because it is Bank Holiday Monday that we're recording this. Mm. And Ant tends to go go on like camping festivals, in other words, my my complete nightmares. Oh, that's what he likes to do during this during the two months of summer. Yeah, he, he tends to go on like long weekend camping trips to festivals and stuff. But I believe he's at one of them this weekend. I'm sure he might be back for Dutch Mole coverage next year. Does he do a lot of acid at these uh, music festivals? I can neither confirm nor deny from my experience of being around Anthony when we filmed the code that he did a lot of acid. There's so many numbers, man. I won't say that he did, but I also won't say that he did. I will leave (laughs) that to your imagination. Oh, and my imagination is running wild. Fun fact, it wasn't acid, it was actually MDMA. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's just nice for me to to finally be able to talk about a show that I'm actually passionate about talking about again. Not mentioning any names, Amazing Race 30. Amazing Race 30, Amazing Race Canada 5, um, Big Brother Canada 6, um, Survivor 36. It's been a bad run for a lot of these shows. It's all, it's international versions outside of North America is where it's, uh, it's, it's where it's at nowadays. It is, and it's. It's really nice that you guys have finally relented and actually agreed to follow my demands for once. It's taken me five years of podcast with you, but you finally actually relented and followed my instructions. Yeah. And I would say that it was a good choice, wouldn't you? Yeah, this has been awesome. I mean, we got to talk to Jill for two and a half hours. And I still don't know whether to call him Jill or Jills. I always go back and forth. I was going to say, about three months ago, you would have never dreamed that you'd actually spoken to a real-life mole host who... Let's be honest, is as big a fan of the mole as we are. Yeah, that's the thing too. Like, Jill takes the show. He's a really fun guy, but you can tell he genuinely cares about his product, perhaps more than any other host out there. He's very passionate about keeping it as real people. No celebrities, no stunt casting whatsoever. Like, even with as much praise as Dutch Mole gets, because we don't know any Dutch celebrities, we uh, tend to forget that to the people in Holland and the Netherlands that uh, that they're s- semi-recognizable people and that real people, or quote-unquote real people, will never have a chance to be on it. With Belgian Mole, it's genuine people who Jill can uh, connect with. I mean, he said it himself that he's friends with everybody that's ever been on the show. Even Bertrand. Even Bertrand. Well, that's because there's a, like you could just call out Bertrand and be like, hey, remember the time you are executed in back-to-back rounds and you figured out nothing just whatsapp him saying you suck you suck at the mall <laughs> or just be like hey bertrand we can invite you back next season and see if we, if, uh, we can ex- execute you seven times before the final three we'll give you seven chances 
I think it's very interesting to compare our two points of reference, basically, for hosts slash showrunners is GL on one end and Probst on the other. And Probst has morphed the show into what he wants. Whereas Jill, you can tell every second he is having an absolute blast. He's just enjoying himself so much, and it's wonderful to see, because, as I've said before on these podcasts, if we really enjoy a show, you can tell it. And because Jill really enjoys the show, it makes the show better, and it makes us talking about the show better. Like with Jeff Probst and like with CBS in general, they don't want to do necessarily what the audience wants. They just want to do what they kind of want out of bitterness. Meanwhile, with Jill, he thinks he's generally designing something or along with the producers. It's not just all him doing something that's compelling and fun and taking what the, like, what would the, not let's not go with what necessarily what mainstream networks want out of a TV show. Let's go with what would be actually cool to do and just hope that the audience sticks along with us. And so far it's worked out beautifully. Yeah, it would be interesting to be a fly on the wall of their their meetings where they pitch it to the network and say, yeah, we're actually going to start with, they're going to do escape rooms, they're going to have individual escape rooms, but they're going to be six feet underground. I would love to see people's reactions when they're first told that at the network. Look at Peter's reaction, that was good enough. He's like, oh, we're actually being buried alive for our first challenge, really? And I'm the mole? Like, that's the two most unbelievable things you could tell somebody. Hey, you've applied for the mole... A, out of all 10,000 people that applied, we want you to be the mole, and B, we're burying everybody alive in the first challenge. What? What do you mean you're skeptical about that being the truth? Come on. Do you think Peter applied? It made it look like he applied. Because I was thinking back when we saw his audition video, I was thinking back to what Gilles said about sometimes they recruit the mole and get them to do an audition video anyway. I feel like if anybody had been recruited out of these three moles, I feel like Elaine or maybe Jill would be more likely to have been recruited as opposed to Peter. I'm not sure. I'm wondering whether they went into the season thinking, we're going to Mexico, heavily religious country. Wouldn't it be interesting to try and get a priest? Because I don't think that Peter is a particularly typical priest, shall we say with him being the religious teacher as well. No, he is, yeah, he's definitely a unique person within the religious community. I'm wondering whether he whether he was pushed towards it. Obviously, I don't know anything for certain, but I'm just wondering. Because wasn't Gilles more of uh, the guy who applied, uh, or the guy from the Argentina season, wasn't he like a model or something? Not just saying, like, oh, he's a model, he definitely didn't apply, but just when I'm thinking about CBS shows in general, the majority of anybody who has their occupation as a model is typically recruited by CBS. I think he was an account executive, and then after the show he sort of moved into his TV work and stuff. Oh, okay. Then scratch what I just said. But yeah, you could you could definitely, you definitely have a good point there that I'm just thinking there's a good chance he did apply, if only because... He'd be more into more family-oriented programs and stuff in general, I would think, in terms of who he teaches with the children there and interacting with a lot of parents, that something like The Mole would be a very typical show for him to watch. Like, I know a lot of element. like when I went to school in elementary and high school, nearly all the teachers watched Survivor and or Amazing Race, because it was the more 
family-oriented reality programs and intriguing ones that you could watch on TV. I wouldn't be surprised if he applied. It's just um, there's something in the back of my mind saying I wouldn't be shocked if if they approached him. I guess they don't want to reveal that to the contestants too. That if they had a had a prior mole that was recruited, because then when you go out to film, that's an extra piece of information that the mole has to be deceptive about. Is that all the contestants are going to want to know what everyone else knows about the whole uh, application process? Because the mole had a different experience. I mean, they already do have a different experience, but in terms of just the very early stages of uh, applying. I think if they ever approach a mole, they still have to go through the normal application process so that there are no hints that they may have been recruited. But it was just the way that they they said to Peter, we'd like to officially ask you. It made me think that they'd privately asked him before and they needed something on camera. Right. That's That's a good point, too. It's my conspiracy theories. <laughs> my tinfoil hat. So, yeah. There's not a lot else for me to say about Belgian Mole now. I'm going to enjoy my brief hiatus before we come back for whatever our off-season projects are going to be this year. I'm not even sure because we've not got it locked down yet. Interviews. I'm going to start contacting people today. Who knows when we'll be back, but you can bet it'll be good fun. Meeting race historians? If season 31 sucks so much that we have to start from the beginning? Mole historian? The... V is the mole historian? If nothing else, we do have one off-season project that I I keep alluding to. I've not actually alluded to it in a few months, but we are going to be doing a podcast game night at some point. Oh yeah, right. We've been wanting to do that for like a year now. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm literally looking at all the Jackbox backpacks on my computer right now. Um, we are going to be doing that at some point. We're going to try and get some friends of the podcast together and do a live podcast game night, which should be great fun. Yeah, we've got to do that soon. So yeah, I've not got a lot more to say about Belgium Mall, sadly. Not that I've not said over the past nine podcasts, just thank you to everyone involved in making this season wonderful. From Gilles to all the producers to everyone who's communicated with us on Twitter, it's it's not a an understatement to say that this has been one of my favourite seasons of shows that we've ever covered in the past nearly five years of doing this podcast, and... It's also not a secret to say that it's been one of the most popular, I would say. I don't think we've actually had any real negative feedback over this, and this is not an excuse to then start trolling me. You can troll Logan all you like. I mean, I will read out the last four digits of his number at the end of this podcast for you. Troll Logan as much as you like, but please don't troll me. (laughs) You got anything to add to that? (laughs) No, I pretty much uh, ditto everything you said. Probably one of the most enjoyable podcasting and viewing experiences in quite some time. It's a shame we didn't do this earlier. It is, and I would also like to say thank you to you and Ant for putting up with my bullshit over this and actually giving in eventually. Yeah, you just if you just irritate us enough, I'll just we'll just we'll just give in. It's kind of my MO. I just irritate people into submission. It kinda of works. Yeah, we all tapped out. And we will be back for some sort of project over the summer. Who knows? Hopefully it won't be Amazing Race Canada themed. It won't the rump if there is Amazing Race Canada coverage. There won't be much, and Michael may or may not even be involved. Yeah, I I will be rage-quitting the hell out of Amazing Race Canada coverage. (laughs) So, thank you for listening to our Belgian World Podcast all season long. We'll be back very soon for some sort of project. You never know, it might be Celebrity Hunted yet. Celebrity Hunted will be airing sometime in October. Not till October? I gotta wait five months for Celebrity Hunted? Yeah, it was actually really good last year as well. Um, They are filming that from next week, apparently. I thought they were already filming it. No, it's next week, apparently. Okay.
If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or on our own Twitter pages, MJ Hamston for me, and Log Superquacky for Logan. See you next time. Peace out. You stopped it. The mold 2018. Peace out. <laughs>